Welcome to the Denim Dungeon. I'm your host, Brian Rennick, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, we are three Sundays away from the first 49er game, and I can't tell you how excited I am, both as a fan and as a victim of COVID hell, to be perfectly honest. And I can't wait for live football to be on my TV. I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. I'm a huge Giants fan, to be fair. And I have been watching uh, my beloved Giants, and, and they are doing better. Uh, but I am, I'm ready for uh, Revenge Tour 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think anything is more exciting than, than footballs on Sunday, but hey, your Giants, our Giants, uh, have a six-game winning streak right now. Yeah, they do. And Yaz is leading the league in war, which is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I don't know if it hey. went, I don't know if it went up today. I know that he was tied with Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, hmm. And they were at I think it was like one point eight, but uh, we'll see hey, if it uh, we'll see. If can it you up. explain to the audience what war is? And by the way, happy birthday, yeah. Yaz! Yeah, when he birthday. when he listens to this, I just want to let him know happy birthday because obviously. He's going to listen to this. Yeah, the big 3-0 today, and he hit a home run to dead center. So it's an excellent way to celebrate. So war is uh, war is a stat that is used a lot in baseball, but is used a lot in starting to be used more in football as well. And it uh, it's not called war in football, but war stands for wins above replacement. And so it's a statistic that measures how valuable you are to your team over a replacement level player. So a replacement level player will get you zero wins, right? Uh, arguably, if you had a squad of replacement players, technically that would be worth zero wins. But, um, you know, anyway, a win above replacement means that because you're in the lineup, your team is more efficient and more likely to win because you're producing more wins based on your value in the field and at bat uh, than, than a replacement level player. Awesome. I, I think with the fact that Yaz is having such a great year and the fact that it's an even year, the fact that it's, well, I mean, hey, it's the start of a new decade. That's right. And the fact that T-Swizz, Taylor Swift, T-Swiz. came out with a new album and the Giants brought up a franchise catcher in the middle of the season speaks wonders for the fact that they might just be world series contenders. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, like you said, it's almost an exact replication of the 2010 season uh, for one, you know, one big caveat being uh, the COVID shortened uh, (laughs) 60 game season versus 162 game season. But, uh, but yeah, in 2010, the giants won the world series T Swift put out an album and they called up Buster Posey halfway through the season. And this season they did the same with Joey Bart. T Swizz released her album a little earlier this year and it's an even year. So uh, put it in the books, send them to the line, the San Francisco giants winning the world series. But as much as I love to talk about my giants, this is a 49ers podcast. So um, just wanted to give you guys just a little, uh, I guess, a little bit of who we are 
um, and why we wanted to start this podcast. So um, we are both educators uh, by trade. Uh, I am a teacher and Tim is an administrator. Um, and I currently am a contributor to 49ers web zone, uh, which is the destination for 49ers content uh, anywhere on the interwebs. And Tim is actually uh, in the process of uh, hopefully fingers crossed being a contributor as well. And then Tim, what else, what are some of your other credentials? Well, I played football uh, basically from the time that I was heavy enough to wear pads and uh, played quarterback all the way through college. I was able to walk on at a Pac-12, well, Pac-10 at the time, university in Washington State. Go and Cougs. go Cougs, win or lose, Cougs booze. That's That's been our <laughs> motto since as long as I can remember. Um, and uh, so I walked on, um, wanted to play quarterback at the time, but had a really great three-cone drill, had a really great 40 time, and they moved me to strong safety. And so I got to see the defensive side of the ball at the Pac-10 level at the time. And then after that first year, uh, I kind of felt homesick. So I decided to uh, come back to California, where we both live, and uh, took a scholarship to go to Humboldt State and play quarterback and move back to the offensive side of the ball. And part of my career at Humboldt State, it's funny, um, you know, they talk about writing goals down and uh, being um, you know, really driven in regards to what you want. And I remember when I got to Humboldt state, my goals were, I want to be a starter and I want to throw a touchdown pass, uh, in the college level. And I accomplished both of those goals, nice. but before I could write down new goals, uh, I suffered, uh, probably my 12th concussion and, uh, my college your career, life, right? Or yeah, or your, yeah. Not your 12th concussion in college. Yeah, not in college, not at Humboldt, but this was over the course of my life, whether it was uh, football or playing basketball in high school, uh, got a couple in baseball, got some skiing, uh, got punched a few times. We'll go into that probably later in the podcast, but overall, probably about a dozen concussions. Uh, still relatively coherent. You may hear me go off on a tangent that doesn't make sense. Uh, but overall, yes, but overall, I would have to say that my humble career, I accomplished my goals. I threw a touchdown. I started a game and then, uh, my career ended playing, uh, UC Davis when I just couldn't reenter the game because I quite frankly had no idea where I was. Well, let me so. just say that, uh, there aren't that many people that can say that they played the quarterback position in college and not only that, but they started and not only that, but they threw at least one touchdown. So I think you are in select company and definitely, uh, definitely somebody that I look to uh, when it comes to uh, knowledge of the game, reading defenses, things of that nature. So um, this podcast uh, again, this is our, our first episode. It is uh, August 23rd. Again, like I said, there are three weeks uh, until the start of the 2020 NFL season, but our plan is to 
have game recap and analysis episodes drop on Mondays, and then game preview and prediction episodes drop on Fridays during the season. And then in the off season, we will do our best to have consistent content. Uh, just again, uh, all 49 are related. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the weekend. Um, they did have a training camp this weekend. Uh, Monday is an off day for uh, for the players, and thank God it is because uh, Brandon Ayuk left practice today um, with an apparent hamstring injury, and D Ford left as well with an apparent calf injury, and then Ross Reynolds, who is uh, in competition for a backup offensive line position, uh, was actually carted off the field with a leg injury, Oof. and so um, things didn't go well today uh, in the injury department. And so uh, I think it's uh, it's a good thing that uh, that they have Monday off. Yeah, I'm I'm a silver lining kind of guy, and and the only silver lining I can say from today is the fact that we're about three weeks away from our first game, and that will give time for IU to heal his his hamstring and whatever grade that injury is. I'm hoping it's a grade one, maybe minor grade two in terms of of his injury or tear um but and then d ford i think he's gonna have the rest of camp off and we know yeah we know what kind of a player he is um now nick bosa had yesterday off in terms of it was like a maintenance day but did you see him out out today at camp Uh, i did not see him today I didn't see him either. So that to me tells me that, you know, Kyle Shanahan isn't exactly being the most forthcoming with information, but that's to be expected since nothing is on film really for the 49ers. But um, three really big contributors to the 49ers 2020 season uh, out with something and are. Let's just be, I'll just be honest. My prayers are out to Ayuk because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's had a fantastic camp, um, way better than, ex, than expected. He's been, he's been phenomenal for a rookie. And honestly, D Ford before today was as healthy, um, as he's been since being since a 49er. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I have to say that uh, I have high hopes for both of those players. And I think that they they need to be 100% going into the first game against uh, Arizona. Um, and we also need Nick Bosa to be um, just at the top of his physical performance. So from this point forward, it honestly doesn't matter what we do. Uh, those three players need to be healthy moving yeah. forward. And I think the other big news, uh, and this was big NFL news, but also uh, touches the 49ers a little bit. Uh, Earl Thomas was released from the Ravens uh, today, Sunday, August 23rd. And uh, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting situation mainly because again, he was released. So I guess um, from what I've read from some reports there, there had been some, uh, things that happened last year, some missed meetings, late to meetings situations. And then uh, two days ago, I believe two days ago in camp, 
he got in a scuffle with uh, another member of the secondary, I believe another safety and straight up punched him. And uh, mm-hmm. they sat on it for two days. I think they probably tried to find a trading partner because, uh, you know, try and get some value in return uh, because they did sign him to a fairly large contract that had some pretty significant guarantees. And uh, the rest of the league knew, Hey, you already said we're going to release him if we can't trade him. So, you know, why give up assets and just turn it into a bidding war if necessary? So Earl Thomas is a free agent. He's on the market. A lot of people think that uh, Dallas is probably the likeliest destination. Um, what do you think, Tim? What do you think if uh, should the 49ers be sniffing around uh, on Earl Thomas? I'm split on Earl Thomas, to be honest with you. I know that he was a dominant player um, basically for the past decade. Um but did you see the play that pissed him off so much? Yeah, it was uh, the – well, I didn't see – I take that back. I didn't see the play. I did read that it wasn't even like uh, a situation where this guy like ran into him and pissed him off or whatever. He uh, – the safety that he got in a fight with threw his helmet in frustration because Thomas missed a play, right, or something along those lines. Do you remember? Yeah, well – Bot, like basically what I looked at is there were there were ten players in the box and then there was one safety off to the if I'm the offense looking at the right side of the formation and it was overloaded um, and basically the offense had the defense beat uh, because there was a one on one matchup and Lamar Jackson took advantage of that uh, and basically didn't didn't miss his receiver that he should have gone to in that play. And uh, a helmet was taken off and a helmet was thrown. And obviously the, the rest is history in regards to what happened with Earl Thomas. Um, I love his competitive spirit. I think that Earl Thomas is a fantastic uh, pass defender. Um, But I would not take him if I was John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I think that, despite the fact that that uh, Richard Sherman came on Twitter today and wished Earl Thomas the best and can't and he said he can't wait he can't wait to see what Earl Thomas uh, can do with his new team um, I think that that was that was Richard Sherman's way of giving his stamp of approval uh, to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in regards to pursuing Earl Thomas but Jimmy Ward has just, I mean, Jimmy Ward signed a three-year deal with the 49ers in the offseason. He was under the radar phenomenal for the 49ers. And if, if Jimmy Ward is healthy, I'm not quite sure that there's another safety I would take just because Jimmy Ward is so good, not only at the free safety position, but being able to come up into the box and being able to guard receivers, whether it's in the slot. Uh, he's pretty damn decent against tight ends. Uh, and and obviously watching uh, him against the LA Rams, especially down in LA, he's great against quick slot receivers like Cooper Cup who who tend to excel in in a five yard space uh, and Jimmy Ward was able to to definitely uh, cover those guys deny them bat balls down so whether it's it's pass defense run defense 
uh, and especially team chemistry. Uh, my bet is with, with Jimmy Ward moving forward. I wish Earl Thomas all the best, but I just don't think uh, he is going to be a 49er moving forward. Well, let me let me just uh, piggyback on that and drop a, a, some numbers, right, to uh, yeah. to kind of talk about uh, Jimmy Ward's effectiveness. One of my favorite uh, follows uh, in the 49er world is uh, Akash uh, Anavarathan. Akash, I'm sorry if I if I absolutely murdered your last name. Um, he is <laughs> at Akash A N A V on Twitter, and he said comparing Earl Thomas and Jimmy Ward's individual grades through PFF, which is pro football focus. And he does put in parentheses that PFF grades are subjective, right? But he says, uh, overall defense Ward was rated at an 84.2 and Earl Thomas was rated at a 76.7. Again, this is for the 2019 season rush defense, which is kind of what you hit on as well. Ward graded out at an 85.5 and Thomas graded out at a 55.5. And then pass coverage, Thomas graded out at an 84.7 and Jimmy graded out at an 81.0. So the the one area that uh, Thomas is better than Warden last season, you know, was by 3.7 points, whereas Ward was significantly better by uh, basically 20 or more points in overall defense and rushing defense. So arguably Jimmy Ward had a significantly better this season than Earl Thomas. I think the one thing that we think about with Earl though is uh, turnovers, right? Creating turnovers. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy Ward hasn't really had that lack uh, or that knack. Sorry. He's lacked that knack uh, to create turnovers. And so I don't know. I think it would be, it would be interesting to see Thomas back in a, uh, you know, uh, Seattle style cover three defense. Although the 49ers last year used significantly more than just that cover three uh, coverage. But uh, I also think it would be interesting to combine it back with Richard Sherman in the same locker room. I think, Sherm would be uh, a bit of a safety net, if you will, for Thomas's uh, eccentricities and his some of his uh, behavior. Because, again, we didn't really see uh, a lot of what we've heard about Earl Thomas in the last few years until Sherm and Cam Chancellor left. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe a return to some familiar teammates could do good. And, you know, arguably again, if, if you have the opportunity to add a hall of fame safety, even if you have a really good safety, it's, you know, it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing to at least kick the tires and you probably won't have to pay him very much money because Baltimore's already paying him because they released him instead of trading him. So it's true. it'll be interesting. Yeah. And you know, when I think about worst case scenario in my mind, if the 49ers were to sign Earl Thomas, um, Richard Sherman has already already gone public with the fact that he thinks Earl Thomas will be a uh, high-level safety moving forward. I think that the 49ers locker room and the coaching staff uh, definitely are a, a plus uh, for Earl Thomas because they need strong leadership and they need – uh, he needs somebody that he can count on, and Richard Sherman is that. Um, but even if Earl Thomas comes in and we keep and we're not able to trade, um, help me. Jimmy Ward? 
if we're not able to trade Jimmy Ward. The fact is he is extremely versatile and he's able to come down into the slot. Um, he's able to be that third safety in the box, which is kind of the new age defense that's coming into mm -hmm. play. It's not exactly a dime, but it does provide enough defenders on the field to guard the multiple receivers and the multiple sets that these new coaches and offensive coordinators are coming out with where we have to defend four, possibly five receivers at a time. Uh, I think that in worst case scenario, Earl Thomas being the top end of the defense and Jimmy Ward coming in, hey, that's something that I definitely can deal with. But if I had to put my money on it, uh, I would say that Earl Thomas does not wear the red and gold uh, going into the 2020 season. I would agree. And as a matter of fact, um, towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, the 49ers started uh, experimenting with uh, bringing Tarvarius Moore in. The free safety they drafted, uh, what three season, three years ago, two years ago. This will be his third season. Um, but they brought Tarverius Moore in in dime situations as that dime back instead of another uh, cornerback, and they did that in the Super Bowl, and that was the play that Tarverius Moore picked Mahomes off. So they have been experimenting with more three safety looks, and if those three safeties are Earl Thomas, Jimmy Ward, and Jaquaski Tart, or Earl Thomas. Jimmy Ward and even Tarverius Moore, um, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be too shabby. No, in my it wouldn't. Opinion. So, no, Tarverius Moore. I would say I agree with you that he's not going to be a Niner, but I, no. you know, it, it it's fun to dream. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, dream, but in the same sense, uh, my dreams are like I don't get too far outreached in regards to what the name is probably more uh impactful bring, than the game yeah uh earl thomas is getting older earl thomas is getting slower and the fact is earl thomas isn't as great against the run which means he He's doesn't want to the run yeah he doesn't want to come up and lay the wood uh kind of the way uh jimmy ward does so the fact is if if i had to pick between tarvarius moore and earl thomas Yes, I would go with Earl Thomas, but if I'm going with who is the better second free safety, potentially third safety on the field, I'll go with Tarverius Moore. Um, and and just speaking for experience, there's there's very little um, that can represent the confidence that comes from making a big play in a big moment. Uh, and doing something that kind of exceeds expectations. And I think Tarverius Moore did that in the Super Bowl. I think Richard Sherman kind of touched on that in some of his, his interviews during this uh, training camp. And he spoke to the fact that Tarverius Moore uh, needs to grow upon those accomplishments moving forward. So all in all, I think the 49ers are set at safety and everybody that's kind of I mean, I've been watching Twitter and I've been watching everybody kind of tweet out that there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, Earl Thomas needs to be a 49er or imagine what he'd look like in red and gold and and the jersey swap. And, hey, 29 is, you know what, cool your jets, everybody. Yeah, We have a fantastic secondary. We have a great safety. We have a really, really good backup 
uh, in Tarverius Moore. And I'm very happy with the 49ers moving forward with the personnel that yeah, they have. I mean, ultimately, if, if, if they can get him for basically nothing and he wants to come and he wants to play, by all means, that's great. But if it's going to cost anything, you know, you can go to Dallas. That's fine. So, uh, so let's take a look at uh, some of the other, uh, essentially the other big theme of the weekend. And that is the injury bug that continues to curse the San Francisco 49ers under the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch regime. And so what uh, is it with the 49ers and injuries over the past few years? I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter what is going on with whatever strength and conditioning staff we have, which they revamped last year. Yes. Injuries just seem to be prominent amongst this team. And for God's sakes, do we need to shut it down until opening (laughs) day? Wrap them in uh, and just, let them go opening day. Yeah, put them in those those bubble. You know, have you ever seen those those gigantic? Um, you know, yeah, the bubbles that you put over your body and you, like you have like from the knee down is out, and you're like play soccer and things like that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, that's that's like an ACL tear waiting to happen, I but still, so <laughs> I I think it would be. Can you imagine the 49ers out there in all of their bubbles? And that would be hysterical. I mean, that that right there is a brick by brick episode that I Absolutely. would that I would watch. Absolutely, yeah. All right. So um, again, what is it? I mean, we're we're over ten. We're over ten uh, expected contributors uh, that are dealing with injuries right now. Um, why don't you tell us who they are, and then uh, I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my doctor hat on. Or my, I'm gonna put my stethoscope around my neck and uh, try and figure out how long we think these guys are gonna be out. Okay, I believe we actually have 13 players currently out oh my God. Uh, with injury, which is crazy. 13 but expected contributors, yeah. Yeah, potentially, and maybe He's there's one scrubs. or two in there, like Ross Reynolds, who we don't know if you actually would have contributed. True. Um, but let's let's just go through this, right. okay? And we have. Um, now do you want to go, do you want me to go through the list or do you want me to go one by one and you're going to say kind of how long you think they're going to be out one by one. All right. So let's just go with, with, I think by far and away the most impactful player, um, that will either contribute to the 49ers this year or potentially be the biggest, um, bust or injury bug that could happen. And that's wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he went out today, in fact, yeah. with a hamstring. He pulled up after going on a deep route, uh, grabbing his hamstring. Yeah, we he, don't uh, know he, he the significance. Of- he grabbed his hamstring after essentially uh, he was being, uh, I believe, he was being covered by Akello. I believe is either Akello or Mosley, and he essentially tried to hit that second gear to create some separation, and then immediately grabbed his hamstring. So, right. So, how long do you think? Brandon Ayuk is going to be out. Honestly, at this point, I think um, with the regular season being three weeks away, um, I think they are. I think they're going to keep him out until uh, the first game. So I think he'll be back for the first game. Um, how much he contributes in that game because he's going to miss three weeks of camp, I don't know. But I think that's probably what we're looking at. But also, we have no we have no information about the injury other than what they thought that it was. 
Um, and so, you know, we'll see probably tomorrow. Um, kind of like you said, is it a grade one? Is it a grade two? Um, you know, and best, best case scenario, grade one, he's out, you know, two weeks and then, you know, practices in that last, in that last week in preparation for the game. But, um, I don't think we'll see him again until, uh, game one. I, I, I agree with you. And I can speak from experience that I remember I pulled a hamstring at Washington state trying to cover, um, one of our, uh, premier wide receivers and he hit the gas going down the sideline on a fade route. And I tried to hit that second gear. And I remember uh, my hamstring just exploding, trying to keep up. And uh, it was about a four week return for me in regards to where I felt confident in the fact that I could trust my explosion. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also depends on where his hamstring uh, pull was. And if it's, if it's high and if it's next to the glute, the butt, uh, it's going to take a little bit longer than if it was just kind of mid leg in regards to the middle of the hamstring. Yeah. So my hopes that Brandon Ayuk, uh, it's, it's not terrible. It's a grade one. It's something that he can recover from and that week one, he's good to go. All right. Yes. Okay. So number two, uh, Cornerback Kwan Williams, he's out with a calf. How long yeah, is he out he's, for? He's been out for most of camp with that with that calf injury, and and ultimately, again, this is another one where I think they're just being cautious and they're just going to slow play it until week one. They know what they have in Kwan. He's one of the premier slot uh, corners in the league, and so um, I don't think they're going to rush him back in hopes that you know, he can get some uh, reps in, in training camp. I don't think they're worried about him. So I, again, another one where I don't think we see him, you know, at least not in a ton of uh, team, team drills uh, through the rest of camp. And I think he'll be ready to go week one. Agreed. Tight end Ross Dwelly. He's out with a foot. Yeah, um, I don't. I haven't read what specifically it is. Uh, in one of his press conferences, Shanahan said that uh, he was out. His foot was his his foot was acting up. So again, doesn't seem like a major injury. I would expect him back this week or next. Okay, agreed. Offensive line: Ross Reynolds carted off with an yeah. unknown leg injury. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, his teammates. Well, I know uh, in a presser after practice today, McGlinchey said that uh, they're just hoping it's not as bad as it looked, which never is a good thing. So um, we don't know what the injury is, but I would assume Reynolds is out for the year. Agreed. Uh, defensive end and really, really significant piece to the defense. Um, again, when he's on the field, the 49ers are light years ahead of when he's off the field. Mm-hmm. Defensive end, D Ford, with a calf injury today. Again, another one they're going to slow play, and he'll be ready week one. Um, no need to get him out for the rest of camp. Um, again, you know what you have in him. And as as Robert Sala calls him, the key to the defense, right? He's, he's what unlocks the pass rush uh, for the 49ers. And, uh, they desperately need him because, you know, while they do have depth behind him, um, well, and we'll get to him in a second. Um, but Ronald Blair, uh, probably won't be back, uh, until later on in the season. 
And so they signed Dion Jordan in the offseason. He's a former, actually, number three pick out of, uh, I believe it was a number three pick out of Oregon. So another first rounder on the offensive line. Defensive line. Or, sorry, defensive line. Thank you. Um, you know, they signed him for depth. And so, uh, and they also have Kerry Hyder, who they signed in the offseason and is a favorite of Chris Kosurek, the D line coach. So, you know, there is depth there, but. None of them are, are none of them bring to the table what what D Ford does. So again, I think they slow play it, and he plays. Uh, he's done with camp, and he plays week one. Agreed. All right, controversial in regards to when his return is going to be. Wide receiver Debo Samuel out with a Jones fracture. Uh, that's an injury to his foot, which kept Trent Taylor out for all of last year. Mm-hmm. When do you think he's going to be back? Uh, well, I mean. It's hard. Uh, there's a difference between when I think he should, he'll be back, and when I think he should be back. Right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would have no problem with them slow playing this a little bit. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they need to place him on the pup list, the physically unable to perform. Which, if you're placed on that list, then you're not uh, eligible to come back until week six, and week six opens your practice window. At which point you can start practicing and then the decision is made to either uh, insert you onto the roster or essentially put you on the uh, aisle for the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to do that, but uh, I don't think, I, I, I think you give it time. There's video of him like cutting on like soft surfaces, barefoot already. So, I mean, he is rehabbing pretty hard and I think it's his goal to be back by week one, but I think the team will slow play it a little bit and I don't think he'll be back till week three. Well, um, my hope is that Debo is back week two. Uh, potentially he might be ready to go week one if he's limited in the game plan. Um, but I do know that that Jones injury is something that can keep a player out for weeks at a time. Uh, since it is a bone uh, healing injury, it's something that you don't really know what's going to impact you until you're going full speed on grass or on turf, and it can affect you without you even thinking that something's wrong. And then it just becomes a waiting game after that. So the more that they can wait for Debo to get better, I think the better off the 49ers are going to be. And the receiving unit for the 49ers has to step up. There's no doubt that as a whole, everybody is going to have to raise their level. And whether they keep six or they keep seven, uh, whoever those seven are, everybody's going to have to contribute while Debo's out with this injury. Absolutely. So the other receiver, which I think is kind of a foregone conclusion, uh, Jalen Hurd is out with an ACL injury. Yeah, he tore his ACL, uh, what, two weeks ago in camp, and he will be, like last season, done for the season. So it's a bummer. Um, I was actually really excited to see how Kyle could use him. But again, you know, their offense was what it was last year without him. And uh, this past offseason, they drafted – I, I always, the moment they drafted him, I said, that's, that's Jalen Hurd insurance. Juwan Jennings, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, they drafted in the seventh round. I always thought, again, this guy, you know, they see value in him, but ultimately, again, the measurables for him and Hurd are very similar outside of speed. Hurd seems to be relatively faster than, than Jennings, but, um, 
I think I think Jennings now makes the team and uh, is placed in the position that they would have used Hurd. So it sucks, and um, you know you, your heart goes out to the guy, and you hope that you know he can put in the work again to rehab and recover from this and come back next season. But ultimately, I think they're going to be okay. If I mean it's it's weird for me to to think this comment, but I do think that this is in the best interest of Jalen Hurd. Let me explain. Uh, coming back from a back injury, especially a fractured, like a fractured vertebra, which that is what Jalen Hurd was coming back from. I think giving him two years to get back from that is what is best. Uh, he was at risk of doing something uh, probably that could be detrimental to his career um, in the fact that a back injury, something, something, a fluke injury could happen, a fluke hit, and he could be done for his career. Give him two years. He's healthy. I think that any player can recover from an ACL injury within a year, and he's going to be ready to go. Just take a look at Jarek McKinnon. He had two years off. It looks like in camp he's come back stronger than ever, and he's ready to go. Uh, I'm very excited for the 2021 year for Jalen Hurd, but this year, obviously, he is done. What do you think about defensive lineman Ronald Blair? He's expected to come back somewhere around November. Yeah, um, he tore his ACL November 11th last year, and, you know, an ACL tear, it's not as... uh you're, you're not out as long anymore as you used to be. It used to be like a 12 to 18 month injury. And now it's probably more like, um, you know, well, if you're a freak like Adrian Peterson, it's like six months, but it's like, (laughs) it's like a nine to 12 month injury. And so I think again, that's, he's another candidate for the, for the PUP list, uh, at which point he would not be eligible to come back until week six. So I don't, we won't see him before then. Okay. Uh, what do you think about center Weston Richburg, who's torn uh, patellar? Yeah, he tore his patellar yeah. tendon. Um, yeah, he um, tore his patellar tendon in that game against the Saints. And so uh, they've basically, Lynch has already essentially said he's going on the PUP list, which again means that he is not eligible to come back until at least week six. I'm really interested to see what the offensive line looks like since he's starting on the pup list. Do we move? Uh, who do we move to center and who goes to, to guard on the right side? Well, well, part um, of the issue is on this list of injuries is Ben Garland, who was the backup last year and who started in place of Richburg once Richburg tore his patellar tendon. And he, and he did pretty well. Um, he's a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. He's not a very big dude, and he tends to get overpowered by a lot of the stronger inside rushers. But uh, he came into camp as the backup, and uh, he is actually on this injury list with an ankle sprain. And, you know, we know that those can linger a little bit, especially if it's a high ankle sprain. So uh, Daniel Brunskill, who was a backup tackle uh, last season and then a right guard uh, late in the season when Mike Person was out for a couple games, he uh, was battling for the starting right guard position, and he has started to take snaps at center. And so with Ben Garland and his ankle sprain and obviously Richburg, it appears that Brunskill is probably the starter 
because the uh, they actually did uh, over the weekend sign uh, a center, um, and I'm not even going to attempt to uh, say his name. It's a it's a weird name, uh, but they did sign him, and so they that's another body in camp. Reynolds was taking snaps at uh, at uh, center. He was actually taking snaps at center when he got his leg injury. And so, you know, I think it's going to be ultimately if, if Garland can come back, I imagine he's the starter, but Brunskill has been taking snaps. And if uh, Garland and uh, Richburg can't go, uh, I imagine Brunskill will be the uh, starting center. It's true. I do like Brunskill a lot. And I, I do I, as well. I do like the uh, lineman that the Niners drafted as well. Yeah, McKivitz out of West Virginia. He's been he's, taking, a, he's been taking he's a, snaps at right guard because of all this upheaval at center and guard. He's a mean dude. Um, <laughs> watching film on him, he's a mean, mean man. My uh, and m- one of my favorite quotes from the draft was someone asked him how to uh, explain his playing style, and his response was, "I'm kind of a prick." <laughs> I was like, "Yes." I honestly like looking at him, uh, looking at the tape. I'd I'd have to say that he. He fits better at guard, so I'm real excited because Brunskill is kind of uh, one of those players that can play any position, tackle, guard, center. Uh, very excited to see what he can do, and uh, McKivitz is just a bully, and getting him at guard would be, I think, phenomenal. Uh, so we'll go through the rest of this list pretty quickly um, because, I mean, obviously – we talked about Weston Richburg. Now we move to the defensive line and Julian Taylor. He's out until December with an ACL. No, no he, he tore his ACL last December. December oh, 20, sorry. December 28th is when he tore it. And so, again, another player that will start on the PUP and won't be back until at least week six. We'll see sure. if he's back at all this year. I don't know. Okay, we talked about Ben Garland being out with an ankle sprain. When do you think he'll be back? Uh, again, I don't know. I don't know the. There hasn't been a lot of talk about the severity of the sprain, and so, you know, uh, ankle high ankle sprains can be you know six to eight week injuries, you know, especially with dudes that are you know offensive linemen and carrying that kind of weight around. So you never know. I, it doesn't seem like it's that severe, and so I I assume that Garland is going to be the starting center at week one, but but we'll have to continue to monitor that. How about my man on the defensive line from Last Chance U, Last DJ Chance U, Jones, yeah. under concussion protocol, which I know something about. You do. Yeah. So um, there, when he went down at practice uh, late last week, uh, people people tweeted out and started talking about something about his shoulder. And then it turns out it wasn't a shoulder at all. It was he's in concussion protocol. And so, again, another guy that I imagine probably won't play this week and probably come back the following week. But again, you know, concussions can linger. It's hard to know exactly, you know, the severity of his concussion and things like that. So, again, I imagine he'll be back by week one, but concussions can linger. So, as you know, <laughs> that's true. Um Honestly, it's probably the one injury that you can't take too much time coming back from. Because if you come back too early from a concussion, even a, a smaller hit or, or something that you wouldn't think would ring your bell like it would, uh, definitely does. And that's kind of what got me in, in the final stages of my career, is the fact that I came back too early from a previous concussion 
and they just get easier and easier to get. So best of luck, DJ Jones. Uh, I love what I've seen from you on film. Yes, I'm um, excited for him this season. When he blew up that center from <laughs> Seattle, uh, Seattle <laughs> it was it was one of those magical just moments. Right on his ass. Yeah, it was that you hope for. He he can be something special if DJ Jones Agreed. is healthy and he stays healthy all year, and we uh, couple him with Kinlaw and potentially Solomon Thomas mm-hmm. uh, on the inside. I think the 49ers run defense and uh, definitely pass defense uh, from the interior is going to be something special. So that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so last but not least on uh, this injury update, wide receiver Richie James Jr. with a broken wrist. Uh, when's he coming back? Well, is uh, he coming back? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so he broke his wrist uh, in June, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was also the uh, unnamed 49er player who was in that group with Jimmy G and the receivers practicing in Tennessee. I believe he uh, also tested positive for COVID. So not only did he break his wrist, but he had COVID as well. Uh, it's a two, uh, from what I read, it's a two month injury and it happened in June. So again, I think he's another candidate for the PUP list and then they could open up his window. Now the PUP list, um, I, I believe, um, you can put as many people as you want on it. It's not the uh, injured reserve designated to return label, which you can only do, I think, for two players. The PUP, you can, I believe, um, and you know, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you can put as many players as you want. So, again, another another uh, perfect candidate for, for that list. And then, you know, depending on what the wide receiver core looks like uh, after week six, they could bring him back, or you know, he could be done for the season. You never know. Well, that kind of concludes our players that uh, are on the injured list or on the watch list. So any takeaways, Brian, from that? Uh, I'm there's very some concerned. I mean, there's some important players on there. And I think, um, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to uh, take it too lightly that, you know, that there are that many players and there are that many contributors on there. So uh, it's just my hope that uh, that bad luck injury bug, uh, you know, flies away or uh, whatever. We need to get some DEET or something up in here to get these injury bugs away. Uh, but uh, we'll see. You know, I think a lot of the people that uh, are going to be main contributors will be back in time. I think the biggest one, the biggest one that we'll miss uh, for an extended period of time is that Richburg injury uh, because the line is really good when he's in. And so, um, in Brunskill, I trust. Well, there you so go. that one for me isn't quite as big. For me, the biggest question mark moving forward uh, on offense for sure is going to be uh, Debo Samuel on whether or yeah. not he's able to return early or if we see him in the middle of the year. And then the on the defensive side of the ball, as much as I want to pick Kwan Williams, it's D Ford because he sure. is he's the linchpin to the defense on whether or not Bosa gets a one-on-one on the opposite side because uh, he is so explosive and so fast, and D. Ford has the opportunity to kind of set the tone for the defense because um, the 49ers were lights out better when he was on the field. He is the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. That's right. Uh, so, hey, 
Question. Did you yes. watch the Brick by Brick episode that came out today? I did. I actually o'clock. watched it at 5 o'clock. I watched it live on Facebook, on Facebook Watch. And uh, it was an, another great episode. Um, I love I love this series. It's like our own little mini hard knocks, right? Each episode's, I don't know, 20 minutes in length, which is nice to just sit down and, you know, you don't have to uh, wait for HBO to put it out. You don't have to sit there for an hour. Um, I wish it was unedited like Hard Knocks is on HBO, but that's okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the, my, my favorite, uh, my favorite two, uh, tidbits. Uh, the first one was how they set up individual tents with individual workout stations so that every player could work out and maintain that six foot bubble. I thought that was dope. And then I just loved seeing George Kittle sign his contract and, you know, just be George Kittle. Like even in the moment, you know, his Kittleness shined through and I, I just loved every second of it. Yeah. Watching him, uh, you know, put Lynch on the spot in regards to his phone and videotaping the moment. I thought that was really classic, but you know, to your point, being able to have individual workout stations, uh, I can't speak highly enough to the fact that uh, that stems from Jed York and him being willing to put forth the money uh, to be able to afford that. To if, if you notice that each player didn't have uh, a bunch of weights in their individual tent, they had these square. Uh, adjustable weights that are obviously much easier to clean in regards to the COVID environment. They looked kind of funky, but they, they definitely were exactly what we needed in terms of the need to, to be like to be safe during these COVID times. And you know, I, I just can't speak highly enough in regards to Jed York and the fact that he's willing to put forth the money to pay for all of this stuff and and prepare the 49ers to um, to be ready to go to finish the year. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that championship teams have where owners aren't willing to skimp on on any dime. And I appreciate that about Jed York because in the past, I feel that some some people have called him out for that. Uh, but for it seems cheap. like yeah, yeah. I think seems- that more had to do with like the dudes he was hiring to coach, like Jim Tomsula, uh, and things of that nature. Which you know we don't need to get into because who wants to talk about Jim Tomsula? But but yeah, I you know and hey, <laughs> ultimately if if you want to be legendary you got to put your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's finish up with, uh, let's go with our final segment for tonight. And this is something that I think we are going to enjoy because it gives us a chance to kind of go out on a limb. And these are our hot boys, hot takes. Yes. So uh, last year, Quan Alexander came in and uh, they nicknamed the linebacking core the Hot Boys. And uh, one of my favorite memories from the season was the Monday night game when uh, <laughs> Quan Alexander introduced himself as Quan Alexander, Hot Boys University. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we uh, we 
we stole that and, and uh, we're going to name this, this segment Hot Boys Hot Takes. And so um, for me, my hot take this evening is this. Uh, you and I were hanging out last night and you asked me the question of how many yards I thought each receiver or at least each uh, uh, pass catcher would have. And we talked about Debo. We talked about right. Ayuk. We talked about Bourne. We talked about Kittle. We talked about uh jordan reed we talked about uh you know anybody that we thought would catch a pass uh this season. from 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 jimmy garoppolo but jimmy i garoppolo, we, but yeah. we went through it individually Correct. and i think that's Correct. that's the key point where most people might look at jimmy garoppolo's stats and they might look at it as a whole and then they would say based upon what i've seen last year he might do this or based upon a kyle shanahan offense he will do this but when you look at each individual receiver or running back or tight end, anybody that catches the ball, what is their potential? And this is the question that you answered last night. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, again, we went in, we went uh, through each one. And, and, and ultimately, uh, again, in my opinion, there was one player that was going to have over a thousand receiving yards and everybody else was going to be under that. But ultimately, when we added it all together, we came up with 5,400 yards. And, you know, we were talking about like 900 yards for Debo and 750 yards for Ayuk and, you know, 500 yards for Bourne. And, you know, these aren't like crazy numbers. These aren't going to get uh, fantasy players salivating at, at wanting to draft these guys. They're just solid numbers. But when you have you know, when you have all these guys, when you have a Debo and an Ayuk and a Taylor and a Bourne and a Kittle and a Reed, and you've got Jarek McKinnon coming out of the backfield. And I don't even think we included juice last night, Kyle, you the fullback. And you start giving these numbers, which aren't, you know, eye popping, but they're just solid. And then you realize, Holy crap, I've added up to over 5,000 yards. And so my hot boys, hot take for this evening is this Jimmy Garoppolo will throw for over 5,000 yards in the 2020 NFL season. I love it. And I think that that is absolutely a fantastic take. Uh, it's not as hot as you think it is because Matt Ryan had a similar season in regards to his second year in the Kyle Shanahan system. And as we know, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's second full year in the Kyle Shanahan system. And we think we, I think collectively, as the 49er fan base think that he is going to take leaps and bounds. And even Richard Sherman stated after he talked about how handsome Jimmy G is, we the fact that Jimmy to. G, uh, uh, yeah, gorgeous <laughs> Jimmy G, handsome Jimmy G. Jimmy There's GQ. no doubt about it. Jimmy GQ. He makes me self-conscious about myself in regards to the way he looks, but that's okay. The fact is, even Richard Sherman talked about the fact that he has taken steps forward in regards to how good of a quarterback he is and how much he understands the offense. That's It is a hot take, but it is not a dramatic hot take. And I actually wrote about that, and if it ever gets published on 49er Web Zone in regards to my predictions for the 2020 season... I said that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in contention for the 2020 MVP. He's not going to get it, but he is going to be 
damn close in regards to getting that MVP for this season. Uh, and I also did write about that, and it is actually up at 49ers Web Zone, and I said Jimmy G is poised to have an MVP caliber season, and I truly believe that. And it might be, again, not a hot take for us. It's not burning hot. But I think for uh, the national media, that is a hot take because more than uh, any other quarterback that I can think of in recent memory, uh, Jimmy G gets a lot of hate for someone who is pretty damn good at being a quarterback in the NFL. I honestly, it's just jealousy. And he's too handsome um, to be good. That's the he issue. is. That's the problem is all the national media, all of their wives or girlfriends obviously take a look at him and they go, ugh, like, why can't you be that good looking? There's something to be said for a quarterback who has lived his life where he has been the most athletic, the most handsome guy where he gets attention. He gets whatever he wants in regards to like, Remember in grade school when you used to compete for attention? He never had to compete for that. He just got it. And that went through high school, and then he went into college, and he was successful. And it builds this confidence. And when you are a quarterback and you have this this sense of, you know what? I am this good, and I am this good-looking, and I can do kind of whatever I want it just extends into everything that you do. And I do feel that the fact that he is paired with Kyle Shanahan, an offensive genius, an offensive guru, Jimmy Garoppolo is putting in the work. He's humble enough to be able to understand that he doesn't have it all just yet. And that throw in the Super Bowl could cripple most quarterbacks where you overthrow a receiver in the fourth quarter for a game-winning touchdown, and you overthrew him by five to ten yards. And you know what? I think that is going to spur Jimmy Garoppolo to be driven this offseason, driven this season to be excellent. And I, I, only, I only see great things for Jimmy G, uh, because honestly, when you say Jimmy G, the G stands for GOAT. And Jimmy is going to be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the NFL this season. There you go. We have, as Niner fans, we have the hottest quarterback coach combo in the NFL. Shanna Handsome and Jimmy GQ. Garoppa Gorgeous. I don't even know. There you go. All right. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Um, again, we'll be back next week. Uh, we actually didn't cover some of the stuff we wanted to tonight, so we may be back later this week uh, just to cover more of training camp. And then, as I stated earlier, uh, once the games start, we'll be dropping game recap and analysis episodes on Mondays and then game previews and predictions on Fridays. So uh, we just want to, again, in our inaugural episode, just thank you so much for joining us here in the Denim Dungeon. And as always, bang, bang. Not a gang. Garoppolo fires. It is caught.